We believe you have a story to share. For 2,000 years, humankind has believed in the power of story. In healthcare, we're finding ways to better heal those who are in front of us. Join us as we explore healing stories now. We want to welcome everyone to another opportunity to be with someone who helps us to see what healing is all about and the stories that kind of play in our lives. And this morning we have with us Dr. Kendall Wagner. Uh, Dr. Wagner, thanks for being with us. It's my pleasure. Glad to join this morning. We wanted to allow for a little time of you to introduce yourself. Uh, Where are you coming from? Uh, The beautiful story of all that you are. Sure. So... um, I had the wonderful opportunity of growing up in this area. I, tell, I like to tell people I'm, I'm, I'm from the River Valley. Um, I grew up uh, in the home of a, a minister, and so um, doing so, my father pastored several churches around um, here, the Fort Smith area in, in the River Valley. We started out uh, in Waldron, Arkansas, and then shortly moved over into southeastern Oklahoma. Um, spent several years there. Um, moved to Spyro and lived in Spyro, Oklahoma, uh, for a while, and then came back to uh, came back to the River Valley. And so, um, really gave me a neat perspective of the people of this area, um, being able to. Uh, to uh, be involved with their their lives um, in that aspect. I think uh, growing up in a minister's home, I was also really introduced early on to people's spirituality and, and, and their needs um, and uh, people's need to, to be heard and people's need to express themselves. And um, I think I watched that quite often um, with my father as I would visit hospitals in a total different role uh, of him just sitting with, uh, with patients, with spending time with them, listening to their stories um, and being involved just on the outside. And, and I think that was probably my first exposure to, to medicine and, and, and the hospital was, uh, was tagging, tagging along with my father during, during those visits. And, um, and I think that really shaped my interest in healing, my interest in helping people become well, um, but I also think it gave me a great background for, for listening as well. Listening, I mean, we can hear the sights and sounds of the River Valley this morning as we're standing up, uh, actually sitting, in the McClure Amphitheater, a place that overlooks so much of our our beautiful region. And we hear the birds and the machines that are beginning, because we know the sounds are a huge part of who we are in medicine. And you talk about this aspect of listening. How do you listen past all the sounds that are going to happen? I know that is a part of your day, right? Is noise that it's definitely a part of the day, and, and and the interesting thing is, is as we hear these sounds this morning, these sounds follow us through every aspect of our day. As I think about how I interact through the hospital and through the clinic, or I think about my training times I spent in the intensive care unit with the noise of beeps and the noise of IV machines and the noise of ventilators going on in the background, and then you have now in my role um, in the clinic where I'm taking care families and children. Um, you have your crying child. You have your laughing child. You have your your parent who is excited and, and sharing pictures and memories. And I, I think noises are really what makes up life. Uh, I think that's what makes makes our, our story. Um, you know, there's 
being able to walk outside and, and some of the wonderful nature that we have and hear the hear the birds. But then you can also hear in the background the, the progress of, of building. Um, and I think that's what makes makes our lives interesting. It's what, what makes up our lives, the sights, the sounds that, that we see. You had an opportunity to travel to Peru and to experience that humanity there. Could you talk a little bit about how that impacted you, what that was like, uh, how you come home and begin to reintegrate all the things that you saw there in, in that experience? Yes. And I think, you know, the biggest thing that uh, that I take away from experiences such as going to Peru or, or a few years ago uh, going to Honduras is really shared humanity. Um, it was very interesting that a lot of the questions and concerns that I received from patients and from families in Peru could have been picked up out of Peru and put right here in Fort Smith. Um, and so I think that's the first thing that that we have to realize as, as people is, is our shared humanity. And though we have total different settings, um, different amenities of life, different schedules of life, um, at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we are, we're looking for, for happiness and for health and for the best thing for our, uh, for our families and our children. And uh, I think that um, you can strip away all of the extras and all of the luxuries. And I think at the end of the day, we're, we're, the, same, we're the same people. I think that's what I carry most from experiences like that. It's just a reminder of common humanity. Um, Obviously, you know, experiences such as going to a third world country and, and, and getting to interact with, uh, with patients that may not have the same things that we have definitely makes you thankful for what you do have. It makes you thankful for your health. It makes you thankful for your family. Um, makes you think, makes you thankful for the opportunities that, uh, that you've been blessed with and, and been given. Um, but I think that at the same time, you carry with me the happiness and joy that those people also experience, even though their experiences are totally different. This morning, their morning was different than my morning is today. Uh, my morning was different there than it is today. Um, and so, but yet there's, you can still find a happiness there. I think that's the largest thing I carry away. You know, one of the things you are a model for is a preparation for as you come in to the office. And uh, that office is, in a way, your own uh, place to welcome guests. Uh, we look at the clinic as a, a various uh, mix of people and, and things and equipment and instruments. And I know as I watch you uh, develop, too, that you're preparing yourself to come in to be a host, uh, to be a host for these guests that come in, and Peru prepares you for that. But I know that there's some practices, too, that, that help you. Are, are there things you, you could share that help you to get ready to become that host uh, in the clinic? I think that, number one, um, is that you, we have to care for ourselves first uh, before we can care for others. And we have to make sure that, that, that we ourselves are whole or working on being whole. We're all a work in progress. And, and, and uh, I do not, you know, don't, don't, I don't claim to be uh, perfect or be whole at this point, but definitely want to work towards, towards that and, and, and prepare myself to be able to, to hear those stories, to, to take those weights. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of time, the, a lot of times 
I can't fix problems that I hear uh, in, in the clinic. And, and, and a lot of times people don't actually need us to fix those problems. They just need us to be there and to share that problem. Um, but as a physician and as a person, I also have to have a way to, um, to release those things that I carry um, to um, deal with those things that I carry, the things that I hear, uh, maybe sadnesses that I share with patients, um, maybe anger that I sometimes see at situations that I'm, uh, that I'm faced with. And it's very easy for you to carry those things into um, your, the rest of your life, into the life with your family, into your spiritual life. Um, and so having a way that you can release those. And so over the past um, 12 months, um, I have been um, involved in some practices of meditation and, and practices of, of self-awareness and, and looking inside, um, both meditation on what's going on in my life, but also meditation from a, from a spiritual standpoint and meditation on, on Jesus, um, who, um, who I look to for strength and look to for direction uh, in my life, and, and uh, being able to reflect on both those positive and negatives of the day but then being able to to release those. This concept of release is uh, one which many of us try and learn over the course of a lifetime and probably not always aware of the things that we do carry and how they can engage in a conversation. I mean, you're moving from a room to a room every 15 minutes. And as you come into each room, you're, as one person once said, responsible for the spirit you bring into the room, which can be very challenging as you go from one kind of situation of a context to another. We all have this in our lives. Mm -hmm. How do we teach people how to let go, how to embrace the moment into the room that they're about to come into? And how can you become more self-aware of what you really are carrying into the next room? And I think that it doesn't. It does not have to be complicated. I think mm. a lot of times people let people let um, meditation maybe run them off because they feel that it's going to be time consuming or, or complicated. And one of the things that I, I often will do if I'm having a very hurried day or a stressed day is I will pause for 10, 15 seconds right at the door of the room that I'm going in take a couple of deep breaths just to, to release whatever I just had on the phone, whatever I faced in that, in that next room, just to, just a period of a couple of breaths to acknowledge it, to acknowledge what happened and then to release it. So then I can become anew as I go through the, through the door again, um, and, and face a new set of challenges or a new set of, uh, of circumstances. And so, um, just, just being able to take a couple of seconds Take a deep breath, a couple of deep breaths that you breathe in, hold them, breathe them out. It's all that it takes to kind of recenter yourself into, into, that, uh, into that situation. Um, and then I think, but also um, there's times that I set aside in the early mornings, um, you know, such as, such as this morning or, or, or even in the evenings that then, you know, that I try then to go through my day and, and reflect on how, how I did and changes that I would have liked to have made or, or things that I could have done differently. Um, and I think that that helps me to, to prepare for the, that next set of, uh, of, of patients or circumstances the next day. That's really good. So we'll know if you're coming into one of these rooms really out of breath that you had to take a little bit more time in front of the, the door than normal. It's coming in pretty heavy breathing. So, uh, But it is true. I mean, we have something in us that is free. Yes. It is not a supplement. It is not a, uh, a long period of a course. 
It is a breath. It's a breath. And all of a sudden, healthcare, uh, not in a Pollyannish way, but needs a, a piece of this, as you say, couple breaths mm-hmm. before you come into the room. Uh, it, it also makes me want to recognize how much your own healing story, the thing that you bring today, is a part of that breathing, uh, is a part of uh, what you've gone through, What what is something that you find has, has helped you. And would you be open to share that with us today? I would, and and uh, as I was, you know, kind of sitting here, getting ready for uh, for talking to you this morning, I was going back through some some of the stories that I've that I've seen that I've shared, and and uh, and there's a lot of them um, in medicine. You know, you you get to interact with so many people, but I think the story that that came to my mind um, this morning goes back all the way when I was a third year medical student. Um, and, uh, and and just starting in my training, I had just finished my basic science years, was just beginning the clinical years, it was you know had so much to still learn. Um, I was on a surgery rotation um, at University of Arkansas for medical sciences, and and met a couple that uh, that I actually met in the ER. I was um, doing a shift in the ER as I was doing my surgery rotation. Met a uh, around a fifty-year-old lady and her husband, and through the course of uh, of that night and the next couple of days, as I followed them, we diagnosed the lady with ovarian cancer. And I followed her through her hospitalization uh, on that surgery rotation, and then lost touch with her as um, as we often do with patients as they transferred out of the hospital and, and into another arena of care. About three or four years later, I received uh, an email uh, from her husband, and the email was re- was informing me that she had finally succumbed to, to ovarian cancer about a year and a half before the email that he had written me. But he wanted to take time to write about how that I had impacted their lives. Um, I was a junior medical student. I knew very little. Obviously, I wasn't controlling her her medical destiny. I was not in charge of her treatment plan. But what he wanted to say that he appreciated was the time that I spent talking with them, the time that I held her hand during that first few visits of, of informing her that she had ovarian cancer, um, the time that I prayed with them um, as they were facing uncertainty and that they didn't know what this path was going to bring for them. Um, and just being there. Um, and I think that was one of the biggest things that has shaped how I have gone forward. Um, the realization that, that yes, the, the science part is important. Yes, the medical care is important. Yes, outcomes are important. But at the end of the day, it's the person that's the most important and, and, being, and, and listening and being there. Um, and if I can make a difference, I'm definitely going to try. But if I can't, I can be there in strength and support. Um, and I think that uh, I often go back to that story um, that helps me recenter me for what what I'm really here to do and what I'm what I'm here for. Um, you know, Kendall, it, it's so striking because it took that year and a half, and all of a sudden you re-engage with this story, and then. 
however many years later that story is still a part of you and there are things that are drawing out within you because we listen to that and I'm sure there are other people who can resonate with that just aspect not so much of a performance but that you are sharing Mm -hmm. in something with someone else and we know that so many people come to you looking for a miracle I mean, the amount of emails, the amount, I mean, how do you handle that pressure uh, of miracle? Yet are miracles happening in everyday life to the extent that they are true? There's a reality to, to what's taking place. Are you seeing miracles? Definitely. I think that uh, that we see, you know, I think I see, I see miracles every day. I mean, the, you know, the, the brand new mother with the two day, two day old baby sitting in my office. I mean, that's a miracle. The, uh, um, the 12 month old first taking their, their steps. That's a miracle. Um, you know, just being able to help, you know, a, uh, someone navigate, you know, a, a few months ago, I had a teenager diagnosed with uh, type one diabetes and just being able to help him start navigating that new lifestyle that just changed his, that changed his life. That's, that's a miracle. And I think that, um, we often want to look to the outside for miracles. We're often running to find things. And, and, uh, I think the Bible even talks about how people will say, well, come over here or go over there and, and come find, come find this miracle from, come find this great sign. Um, but the miracles inside of us, the miracles in, in, inside of each, each of us. And, and the miracle is, is facing that challenge and, and, and overcoming it, whether that's, whether that's being cured of the disease that you have or whether that's the disease running its course, but us learning to, to live with that uh, disease and be the best person that we can in that, I think that, that even that is, is a miracle. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I don't think that I'm the holder of that, uh, of that yeah. miracle. I think um, that it's a, it's, it's a partnership. It's a team. Um, between the person and, and the healthcare provider, um, I, I like to tell families all the time. I, I really see myself as an educator. My job is to is to educate you, and then from there, you can take that and, and run with it. Whether that's how, you know how you're raising your child, or, or what medicines we're doing, or how you're managing your diabetes or your high blood pressure, uh, my first responsibility is to educate you. Um, and then from there, I've empowered you to make the choices that you need to make for your life. It's really powerful to think of a physician as an educator of, rather than a miracle worker. Mm-hmm. And isn't it true that in education there is some sense of an everydayness of uh, your developing as to who you really want to be? Uh, to truly be the person uh, that you were created to be. And now in this moment of trying to find the great joys of medicine, there is a sense that we are learning how to be better educators. Yes. And and people who are open to listening, as you said at the beginning, those are uh, ways that you have helped us to think about how we create our own healing stories. Uh, are we in the process of learning? Are we in the process of hearing? Uh, because if those two things aren't there, maybe that's where this uh, quagmire of stress, not, not that stress is going to go away, but that we're trying to deal with it through, as you say, a pathway of learning and educating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I, I think that is. I think that's the future of, of, of where we'll go in healthcare and where, where, where healthcare should be. Um, I think that in the world that we live now, um, 
it's, it's became, you know, very, a very quick pace, very fast pace, a lot of patience in the day. Um, and again, I think that, uh, I think we need to take that breath. I think we need to step back a little bit, um, and go back to education, um, I remind medical students and, and nurse practitioner students all the time when they come and ro- rotate with me that people came to us as physicians even before we could do much in the way of healing. Yeah, it's true. Um, and it was really for that education and for knowledge. Um, and so I think that uh, as the pendulum has swung, I think that we've, we've gone a little, a little far towards the healing side and a little less uh, to the education side. And I, and I hope that as we have the opportunity to reshape healthcare, uh, because it's reshaping, I think that there's definitely a move in reshaping healthcare uh, right now, driven by, by physicians and patients uh, of, of wanting a different experience than what that we're in right now. I think that the opportunity to uh, to get back to to educating and and to being and to listening, I think, is is a huge opportunity for us. You know, just wrapping up and and thinking of exactly what you're talking about while I was in a room translating what you were doing as a physician to a people who had been in line uh, since seven in the morning and we had one final patient about six o'clock had waited there all day if you remember uh, he really uh, we didn't have much to give him he was an older gentleman and all of a sudden it was these simple dollar pair of glasses but you sat there as I watched and you you listened to him even as challenging as that was in another language but I noticed that as he he left, there was something that uh, churned in you, and you were moved by that experience. Uh, we sometimes as patients fail to realize that you're being affected by the generosity uh, which you're given. Do you remember that moment? Could you talk a little bit about it? Yes, I, I, do, I do remember that moment. And, uh, um, and obviously, you know, the, the gentleman was a, you know, a hardworking uh, gentleman from an agrarian culture, uh, culture and uh, obviously had aches and pains that we talked about and, and changes in his body that I was not going to be able to, to fix. Uh, no uh, and, miracle and, and no miracle was going to happen there um, because it was just a process of time. Um, but, uh, but I do remember him, you know, saying that he was having uh, trouble with, uh, with his vision. And, and I remember trying different pairs of, uh, of, of glasses on for him and then finding that one that, that, uh, that was chloral. <laughs> uh, and, he, uh, and just the look on his face as he was, as he was able to, to see. But I think what struck me most uh, and, uh, and, and what I think we shared that day, uh, Martin, is, is the, as he left the room, he walked straighter. He walked taller. Um, he wasn't as bent over with with pain uh, and tenseness as he was when he came he, when he came into the room. Um, and, and not that we gave him any miracle medicine that did that, um, other than other than listening to him and, and then empowering him um, with sight and, and empowering him with with listening. I think is uh, is really what made the difference. Well, thank you for helping us to see and helping us to hear, but most uh, most especially that you would be someone who helped us to educate about who we are as people and, and finding that help. So thank you, Dr. Wagner. Thank you. Time heals all wounds. Join us for our next episode of Healing Stories. 